Nice to see everyone here this morning. I guess it's also nice to be seen. <laughs> you know. Shall we pray? <coughs> Father, we <coughs> excuse me. We thank you. Your grace, your mercy, your peace that um, you abundantly, lavishly pour down upon us. We give you praise this morning. Jesus says that um, sanctify them with your truth. Your word is the truth. So, Father, we receive that sanctification this morning as we listen to your word, as we listen to your truth. Jesus said again that if you hold on to my words, you will know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Thank you, Daddy, because um, it is for freedom that Christ set us free. We shall no longer entangle ourselves in any bondage of lies and of untruth. So, Father, we come this morning with listening ears, um, a follow heart, a teal heart, one that you have fertilized, that as your word enters, would grow, bear fruit, fruits that will bring glory unto your name. Holy Spirit, you are the teacher. I bow to you this morning. I choose to submit all of my faculties, my intellect, my soul, my mind, my will, my emotions, that it might line up with yours. So that what I speak will be what you pass through me. I want to be that vessel that you used this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody said, Amen. 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 Where is the rest of the class? Have they given up on me? <laughs> Thank you. Blessed are the faithful. <laughs> uh, this is for the faithful. So we're still on uh, our theme, which is Christ as life, Christ as life. And uh, we saw last week that um, 
Jesus declared that he came to give us life. He came to give us life and to give it more abundantly. But the question is, um, do we as believers, are we enjoying that life? Are we experiencing that life? Or are we living in defeat? Are we experiencing the victorious life that Christ died to give us? Paul in Romans 5, 10 says that, um, that we have been reconciled. In other words, we have been made friends with God because of his death, the death of Christ that assured us of the forgiveness of our sins, reconciled us with God. We became friends with God. That's what reconciliation means. But he said something that is even more important. He said much more, much more we are saved by his life. Much more we are saved by his life. And in fact, in that chapter, that phrase much more is repeated three times. When God says it is much more, then you better believe it, that it is much more that we are saved by his life. I've always asked, I thought we were saved by his death. That's what we often hear. That we are saved by his death. But this time that we are saved by his life. You see, if Jesus had only died and never resurrected, then there would be no salvation. There would be no salvation. We are saved by his life. And this means that the moment by moment life that we live on this earth moment-by-moment moment victory that we experience, the moment-by-moment moment life, let me say, that we experience is by the life of Christ. Because he lives in us. He lives in us. And we ought to exchange our own self-life with his life and allow his life to be made manifest. Because it is only his life, it is only his life that is a fulfilled life. Every other life is not fulfilled. My life is not fulfilled. It is only when I allow Christ Jesus to live his life in and through me that I can experience that life. And I remember saying last week that, um, that the Christian life is not my life. <laughs> it's not anybody, anybody's life, but it is Christ's life. It is his life. And it is only him that can live that life. Only him that can live that life. We don't try to imitate Christ. You know, I read in some books, The Imitation of Christ. Uh, imitation of Christ. We don't imit imitate Christ. If we were to imitate him, then he wouldn't come. He's come to live in us so that he will express his life through us. Then we began with the concept of God. With the concept of God as, as a very, very critical, a very critical concept or doctrine uh, that would help us experience that life, the concept of God. The correct concept of God will enable us to see Christ as life, to see him as the truth and to see him as the way. But the negative concept of God will hinder us from experiencing that, that life. We saw that there are two, there are basically two concepts of God. You have the intellectual concept as well as the emotional concept. The intellect, the intellectual as well as the emotional concept. Most people 
will practice what they feel. Does that make sense? Most people practice what they feel, especially those uh, that uh, you know the psychologists will label as you know, the subjective people. <laughs> they will practice what you feel. We might have the mental accent. Intellectually, we might know that, or we might think that God is faithful and that we can trust him. But on your worst day, when things are not going your way, when the walls are caving in, um, when the responses that you were expecting are no longer there, the expectations are not met, you are at the end of your road. How do you feel about God at that very moment? Most people will want to take matters into their own hands because of how they feel. So feelings are extremely important. Good, God gave us feelings. In fact, without emotions, uh, you will not enjoy life. You know, emotions are spice of life, you know, they say. But you know, just imagine if you couldn't laugh, if you, if you couldn't get sad, if you couldn't get excited. I know there are some people who, do, who never get excited. You know, they don't emote. They're just like zombies. But God gave us that ability to emote. God laughs. God rejoices. He grieves. The Holy Spirit grieves. So we are given the emotions. But one thing that God wants us to do is not to allow our emotions to control us. Our emotions should not control us. Emotions are not truths. Emotions are not truths. They are simply responses. They are, you know, uh, involuntary responses. I've always said that uh, emotions um, did not go through the first grade. Because emotions are not truth. Even though they might be real, but they are not truth. There are some people who say, because I feel sad. You know, then I have to punch the wall because I feel sad. I feel sad, I have to kick my dogs. Okay, so emotions are real, but they are not truth. But to live by the truth, but to live by the facts, faith, facts. Amen. developed in us particularly through you know our upbringing what did we what messages did we hear from our parents or the significant people in our lives what messages did we hear in Sunday school in schools and we listen to the TV to the radio what do you hear about about God and this will form the concepts will form the concepts or the ideas or the perception or the view that we have about God and this concept transfers to how we view ourselves as well as how we view others how we view ourselves as well as how we view others 
your parents were the type that, especially fathers, if your parents were the type that they were there but not there. You know what I mean? They were there physically but they were not there. If your father was the type that, I mean, if the authority figure, because uh, uh, there are some families where the fathers are just simply not there, but if your authority figure in your life during your, form, during your formative years were the type that were strict, that was judgmental, that will always be setting standards. As you try to meet those standards, they will raise it. The parents were the type that would always think that you've never done something right. There is always room for improvement. The parents were the type that you know receive affection, affirmation. Grew up with that. And all of a sudden, somebody tells you that God is your father. You're going to project that onto God. And God is not there. When I need him, he's not there. He's very demanding. Because we are told that God is demanding. He doesn't love me. You know, we, some of us come from a culture where we've never heard that word, I love you, when you were growing up. Now this, 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 this lesson is uh, it's kind of emotional for me. Um, I think it's also going to stir up some emotions and, and do not be afraid to if those emotions come because I know that any of us, I don't know of any who, has, who came from a very functional families. We all came from dysfunctional families. It didn't start with us. It started with Adam and Eve. They were dysfunctional and then they passed that on to us. Let me read. Can you give me, um, I think, Hebrews 12, please? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11. About our earthly fathers. Um, go to the next verse, please. Right. To the place that talks about our fathers disciplining us how they see fit at our heavenly father corrects eh? verse 10 okay thank you sir verse 10 let's let's see verse verse 10 verse 7 let's see 12 7 12 7 Let me see. That's really not the place. Nine. Let's, let's see nine. I know he's around there. Thank you. Yeah. It says, furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us. And we paid them respect. So have we not much more readily it's another one that you say, they corrected us as they deem fit, as they see fit. As, huh? Ten. ten, okay, let's see ten. Yeah, 
which one is this? The King James, the New King James Version. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. It's ten. For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. They did the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. You see, you cannot give out what you don't have. If our earthly fathers discipline us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. Oftentimes when we project what we have gone through with our earthly fathers to God, Let me, let me take that back. We, we look to the past and uh, the things we are going through, we blame it on our fathers or our parents. And we have feelings of resentment against them and we judge them. We often say, I would have done better than them. But the problem is that, you know, when, when uh, Jesus said, judge not so that you will not be judged, what I've found in my few years of interacting with people is that we always end up doing exactly what they did to us. They didn't know. They knew. That's why. Right. That's what they knew. That's what they knew. And since you cannot give out what you don't have, they give out what they had. And so let's not run to judge our parents. Let's not run to project experiences of our parents to our Heavenly Father. Because our Heavenly Father is the ultimate Father. Amen? He's a perfect Father. He's a perfect Father. Um, I left us with um, I left us with an assignment last week. Did anybody try to do that assignment? That is, who is God? Who is God? And the assignment was that you are to don't just give me the Christianese answers. You know, you know, you know what I mean by the Christianese answers. You know. Just what you are told and what you think you know. I want you to give me, you know, your feelings. Your feelings. I know many of us are not so good with feelings. Um, some people think feelings. If you ask them, how do you feel? They say, I think. Those are two different things. Say, how do you feel? They say, I think. Say, how do you think? They say, I feel. Those are two, those are two, those are two, those are two different things, you know. You think with your mind, and then you emote with your feelings, or you feel with your emotions. So on your worst day, on your worst day, because that is when your true condition comes out, on your worst day, when things are not going well. That's when those feelings will come out. 
Amen? So, will somebody volunteer as we go through um, who God is to you at the feelings level? At the feelings level. Somebody um, volunteer just to I think it's on page nine. Yeah. Yes, please. Let's say. Now I begin by asking the question. See, when I think about when I think about being with God, I feel just just a word. Feel excited. I good. feel excited. All right, good. Number two. Number two was when I have to trust God, I feel hopeful and sensitive. Okay. Sometimes oh. anxious. Anxious. Okay, number three. Number three, when I think about God, I feel his eyes are upon me and all my deeds. These are on your worst day, right? This is on my worst day. Okay, number four. Let me say, can I say something here? Yeah. I was brought up where I did not feel um, angry with God. I, I was brought up where I reverenced God. From my That's good. early time, I was brought up in that type of environment. That's good. And I don't have some of the concepts that I see here, so it made it difficult. But I answered it as truthfully as I knew how. Okay, number four. Number four. When I think about God, I wish I could. I don't have my glasses on. I wish I could sometimes just physically touch him. Right. So I close my eyes. Close your eyes. Okay, number five. Number five. Sometimes I get angry with God when... That's when somebody else comes and tells me their revelation of what God is telling them, and I think, and that's not anger, but it's a concern. Get angry with God, God because somebody tells you something uh, that's true about God? God said for me to tell you, and I have commented in this way, why is not God talking to me okay. if he has a message for me? Why is he going to you to give right. me my message? Number six, it frustrates me. It frustrates me when God wants me to. I need my glasses, y'all. Up on there. And I couldn't find my glasses right away. It frustrates me when God wants me to understand those who are, you know, telling me translations from God. That frustrates me. As a matter of fact, if I may elaborate on that, collaborate on that, a lady once told me, God told me to tell you. And I said to her, you tell God, don't send me no messages through you. <laughs> because I'm supposed to be his, and if he has something to say to me, tell him to tell me. And he did. He spoke to me later. 
Good. But God answered my prayer. So. Amen. Number seven. I really enjoy God when I'm in meditation, mostly mornings, and sometimes when I'm alone late in the evenings or nights. Number eight. Or early in the mornings. Number eight. The one thing I would change about myself to please God is consistency. Being more consistent with so in other words, anything take me away from the time I'm supposed to be. Doing. In other words, if you're not consistent, you wouldn't yeah. be pleasing to God, right? Number nine. Good when I think about God's commands, I feel different things. It depends on what his demands are. That is being diplomatic. Different things calls for different feelings. Number 10. Number 10. The thing that I love most about God is its long-suffering okay. with man. 11. Number 11. I didn't answer because I, I can't remember feeling angry with God. I was taught to respect and reverence God, and I was fearful as a child. I learned how to still fear him with a holy kind of fear, not being afraid of him. So, Let me ask you if, you, if you get angry with God, what's going to happen? What do you think might happen if you get angry with God? I study, I, I believe in the Old Testament yep. and the New. I feel the Old Testament is the foundation for the New. And I don't think that God is now coming and opening earth and swallowing us up. But um, I, I, I don't, you know, I don't think that he's a God that will not make sure you have consequences for your actions. I believe in consequences, but I don't think that he's that punishing God that we have been taught. So in other words, if you get angry with God, you're going to receive consequences for that. I get angry with him what? With God. Um, there will be consequences. All right, that's good. Number 12. Number 12. Sometimes I wish I could, uh, I wish God would, and I, I left that blank because I didn't have an answer. And, okay, good. 13. 13. I can really depend on God whenever I am really in need. 14. The one thing that frustrates me most about God, and I didn't answer that because I don't know, so I left that one blank. Fifteen. Number fifteen is my relationship, in my relationship with God, I am always sure that he will come through for me. The one thing that frightens me about God is his wrath. His wrath. And number 17, I, 17, I left blank. Number 18, the one thing I would like to tell the whole world about God is tolerates more than is ever imaginable. 19. 19, the one thing that bothers me most about God, I didn't answer it. And number 20, the one thing I'm afraid God will do 
is not be pleased in my ways. I'll be pleased in your ways. Thank you. Any other, very quickly, any that uh, attempt that may not go exactly as you saw here, as we heard? That's good. Let me, um, any other attempt? Okay. Let me give us some of the answers um, that I've heard. When I do this test with them, um, Okay, some of the answers that I've had um, on the average is when I think about being with God. This guy says, I feel fear, loneliness, that he's not there. When I have to trust God, I feel like he really will not help me. When I think about God, I wish I could see him or that he would change me. Sometimes I get angry with God when he does not seem to hear me. He leaves me alone. He does not help. It frustrates me when God wants me to do the impossible, which he always does. He gives me commandments I cannot keep. I really enjoy God when he forgives. People really enjoy God when he forgives and they are not experiencing more joy. We can safely conclude that they really do not believe that he does forgive. The one thing I would change about myself to please God is everything. When I think about God's commands, I feel inadequate because I so often have not been able to keep them or judgment for failing. Sometimes I wish God would take me home. I can really depend on God for nothing. In my relationship with God, I am always sure that he will judge me, get me, reveal to everyone my faults. The one thing that frightens me most about God is his judgment. God surprises me when he answers or he's there. One thing I'm afraid God would do is kill someone I love to get my attention. This is from a believer. This is from a believer. I can say that 
This person is an unbelieving believer. Unbelieving believer. What I did find out is, is that this person was projecting his relationship with the authority figures in his life unto God. Because this does not describe God. This does not describe God. I've always wondered, hundreds of people will come out, say, during an evangelistic uh, conference. Say, who are those that will come out to receive Christ? Hundreds will come out to receive Christ. But wait one month, two months later. You don't see them. You don't see them. What is the reason? It's because during that hour that they are listening to this message, I was his faith coming by hearing, right? Yes. You know, their intellectual concept of God is 100%. Emotional is probably zero. So they quickly run out and receive Christ and think it is it's okay. But one month later, you know, when things start going not their ways, the emotional concept will overrun the intellectual concept. And so unbelief sets in. Unbelief sets in. Emotions of doubt, fear, discouragement, anger, frustration, and all of those things will set in. And of course, you begin to doubt God. Did I really receive Christ? And of course, the next altar call, they're going to come out. Because they thought they did not do the first one right. It is just that their emotional concept has overtaken their intellectual concept of, of God. I want us to go, <coughs> would you <coughs> go to the last uh, that has the Father's love later? The Father's love love later. I wanted to see who God really is. I think towards the end of the um, Father's love, love, love later. You able to see it? It's towards the end of the, that's right. Thank you. I wanted to listen to this very carefully. Um, this is the father writing a love letter to you to show you who he is. First Corinthians 13, which is the you know the love passage, talks about you know, the character of love. And I said last week that you could, sub, you could substitute the word love for God because God is love. First Corinthians, sorry, First John 4, 7, God is love. Would that work? Can I have the sound? 
nothing will ever separate you from my love again. Come home and I'll throw the biggest party heaven has ever seen. I have always been father and will always be father. My question is, will you be my child? I am waiting for you. Love, your dad, almighty God. I want that to soak in into your spirit. It's God to whom we are to pray. It's a God we can trust. Wouldn't you want to be parented by such a father? I want to be. Oftentimes I think, when I think about this, bring myself to a place of a little child, a little baby, running to daddy and just hopping on his laps and he embracing me and kissing me all over. I know this will stir various emotions, many of us. Some might be happy with that, some might not be too happy with that. Because we are thinking of our earthly fathers, the messages that we receive from them. You are good for nothing, you are a mistake. I wish I didn't have you. Can't you be better than them? Why are you always bringing C's and D's? Why can't you make A's? I was talking to um, one of my counselors and he told me that he had never been affirmed by the father. I said, do you know what affirm means? He said, yeah, no. Never been affirmed. I asked him, have you ever heard that word I love? He said, never. And all he had was advice. <laughs> advice. Do this, do that. Do this, do that. <clears throat> yes, that is why some of us are so quick to advise. Some people might just want to be listened to. You just want you to listen to them. Don't give your advice. Just listen to them. Perhaps they have never been listened to. You know, when you are quick to advise, it's a sign of rejection. I don't want to hear you. Just take my advice and run with it. We need to be reparented by God, who is a perfect father. You see, when we try to meet the father's need, the father's need, or the parents' need, 
through our earthly fathers because they are imperfect. We will end up being hurt. We will end up wanting, lacking. It's because there is a father vacuum, there is a father vacuum in our hearts, a father vacuum, and it's only the Heavenly Father that can meet that need. I'm talking about the inner needs, not the, the physical needs of, you know, water, you know, clothes. I'm talking about the inner needs, your need for love, your need for acceptance, your need to be valued, your need to be accepted, your need for worth. You see, when we focus our desire for worth on the world, on people, then we've missed it. Because the one who determines our worth is our Heavenly Father. He says he has loved you with an everlasting love. He says he has accepted, not only has he accepted you, but he has made you acceptable. He doesn't judge you. You might get angry with him. He's big enough. He, that doesn't surprise him. As you get angry with him, he's big enough to take it. He knows that you'll be angry. He knows. But he still loves us. We are inseparably joined with him. He says, he that is joined to the Lord is what? What spirit? I wonder the thinking that you are joined inseparably with him. It's like when he puts um, a tea bag in hot water hmm? and then the tea diffuses into the water. Can you separate the tea from the water? No, you can't. That is how we are joined with him. You know, the last three minutes, I want us to look at the, um, I think on page, on page 12. There is a chart there that shows us where you can evaluate your relationship with your father. Evaluate your relationship with your father. There are columns, characteristics like gentle, stand, loving, aloof, disapproving, and all of that. It'd be nice if you check those, just check, for instance, the characteristics of uh, gentle. Is he always gentle? Is he very often, or sometimes, or hardly ever, never. You do that. And then you can do the same with God. Because what I want, what I think will be helpful to most of us is to be able to compare, to compare your relationship or, yes, your relationship with your earthly father or mother or whoever was in a position of authority in your life as you were growing up. You want to compare that to your relation, how you view God. How you view God. Because like I said, often, often, often times, our view of God, our self-concept, and the way we relate to others is normally shaped. It's shaped by our relationship with our earthly fathers. Shaped by that. 
if those authority figures were harsh, you think that your Heavenly Father is harsh. So as, um, as an eye-opener, this is, this, is, this is for your own good. You know, when you fill in page 12 and page 13, then on page 14, transfer all the things you filled in page 12 and page 13 to those and try to see, do they match? Do they match? Like if your earthly father was gentle, yes. Well, any authority figure in your life when you were growing up, if it were your mother, your grandfather, your grandmother, any authority figure. Amen? Okay, the question was, um, what if you didn't have, if, what if you were not growing, if you didn't grow up with a father? Would you still do this? I said, any authority figure in your life. You may have grown up with your uncle. That was an authority figure in your life, a significant person in your life. Fill that out and then compare See whether you have rejected your relationship with your earthly parents unto God. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you because you are the perfect father, perfect parent. Yeah, we may have judged our parents, but they gave us what they knew. Give us what they knew. We reject all the judgments, all the criticisms that we've had for our parents. We choose to be reparented by you, Father. That we can jump on your laps and Hold us on your shoulders, even when we mess up, you know, clean us up. You've already cleansed us. You're not surprised by our emotions. You're not surprised about anything that we that we do, because your love for us is not based on what we do. It's based on the finished work of our Son Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, for accepting us making us acceptable for determining our worth. You took the life of your son to bring us to your family. Thank you, Daddy. Abba, Father, we can call you Daddy. We can call you Papa. We give you praise. Amen. So we continue next week.